And welcome back to the Film Sake Podcast, everybody. My name is Brandon Sheet, and I'm here with Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about Polar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, but before we do any of that, ketchup, hey. condiments, oh, mustard. Right. The ketchup, the condiments. The there was a, um, I was listening to one of my favorite yeah. podcasts, and they were having a debate about um, who has the best French fries in the U.S. Like fast food French fast, fries? Fast food French fries. So if you were going to, like, what is your number one, like, French fries? That's, that's the thing. The one, my go-to, mm-hmm. McDonald's. Ooh. So, I mean, you, would you say they have the best? Yes. Okay. My go-to is McDonald's. That's what, it's, yeah. it's comforting. It is. Like, you know what a McDonald's French fry tastes like yes. all the time. Yeah. And they're just the right amount of salty. They, yes, I agree yeah. with that. I they're agree. Just the perfect salt. <laughs> I, I, I love McDonald's. I had them in my number two. Number the, two. Oh, the, who's reason, the reason I couldn't put them in number one because they don't taste like potatoes. You know what? You're right. They, do, they definitely do not taste like. They taste like French fries. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like it was like, did this come from a potato at all? It's like, no. We just ground up some stuff and then put some powder. Like it tastes great, but it's just right. like, it's far from a potato. Uh, my number one is Five Guys. Five Guys. Five um, Guys has delicious fries. I love those fries. Like you can tell they're cut directly from a potato and fried and seasoned. Like I, I like I like that. So it's like I would go in the vein of like a Five Guys a Checkers or a um, like Bojangles, like those mm. seasoned fries. But like yeah, McDonald's my number two. Yeah. Even, McDonald's the one that I go to because it's the easiest, best fry oh, to yeah. get. Yeah. Like, you just pull up to the drive-thru to fry. They yep, we got shit em. them out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, but Chick-fil-A is a close second Ooh, to McDonald's. Because you can tell that, you can also tell that they're potatoes. Mm. And they got that fucking waffle cut. Yep. It's just like, ah, just, ah, yep. so good. So much potato in one bite. The texture of it, yeah. Ah, so good. Now, um, Hardee's used to have these really good uh, curly fries. They may yes. still have it, but I, don't, I haven't been there in years. I haven't been, yeah, I haven't been in Hardee's in a long time. Yeah. Um, Arby's. Arby's. Arby's, yeah, they got them. Yeah. Lit French fries. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I might agree with you, though, on, yeah. like, Five Guys. I think yeah, Five Guys have the best... I think Five Guys has the best burger in general. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Like, without like, a doubt. Without a doubt. It's just, I, I would like to not pay $20, you know, Every for time it. you go there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's really good, though. Ah, fuck. Now I yeah. want Five Guys. Me too. Oh, yeah. Fuck. What you been up to this week, though? I, I went... I celebrated Valentine's Day. I went on a mountain trip. You uh, did what? Yeah, I celebrated Valentine's Day with my girlfriend. Brian Archie celebrated yes. Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> have I been better about Valentine's Day before? Do you understand how much you have changed over the past like, two months? <laughs> like 180 degrees. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> like Valentine's Day, like years before, fuck Valentine's Day. Yeah. It's a corporate holiday. Capitalist, like you would go in. Like Here's we're the thing. wearing black. We're not <laughs> celebrating this. Like it was a big thing <laughs> wearing black fuck I still think it's a corporate holiday it and it's bullshit yeah, it is uh, but I have a girlfriend now and mm. we took a trip to the mountains nice. we went to Camden okay. Chandler some part two and a half hours away from oh. South Carolina nice uh, we went over there and we sat in this mountain mm. uh, cabin yeah. it's literally just three walls and a garage door mm. and then a door yeah uh, and everything's gas powered nice. there's no thing and like their bathroom is like a latrine mm-hmm. that is has a glass door into the mountain view oh nice and that was the most like just satisfying poop that yeah. i had done oh the, the the window is facing away from you like or towards you as you're on the toilet there yeah oh, no, you, can, you can see into the mountain I was thinking that's it was like, poop. so if you're standing up to take a pee, you're looking that way. So, but no, no it's the no, opposite no. way. If you're sitting down, no, if you're right sitting in front down. of you, it's there. Yeah, right that's in front nice. of you there. So I like, like that. It's like a really good, like, mountaineer poop. Yeah. Um, the mountains were gorgeous. It was like, I don't know what mountains they were. 
That's I don't like, know what they were called. I guess we have to be like Kings Mountain somewhere around there. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, but there was just like gorgeous rolling hills yeah. full of like trees and mm-hmm. evergreens. And it was like this nice shade of like brown and like green from it being winter. And yeah. it was cold, but the sun hit the cabin like mm-hmm. directly head on. So it was yeah. also warm. Hell yeah. And it was beautiful. And it was like the the cabin was literally one room. Yeah. And then a little like counter area for mm-hmm. like a gas stove stop that had two burners. Okay. And then just that was that was, was it. And was it like, had, a, like a was it a B and B or like yeah, a Airbnb? See, all right. So we stayed at a B and B a few weeks ago mm-hmm. um, for it. Like, so my only thing with B and B is that you have to leave it as nice as when you got there. Right. You know, it's like not a hotel service, things like that. Yeah. And I burned down. No, we, they've already, they don't know about this. They, they've already reviewed us and said we were great. Okay. <laughs> Why did you burn? I burned down the um, the floor mat that was in front of their uh, the stove. I burned that shit to hell, Brian. And How? I, I fucked up their stove. It was a very nice polished stove, and I put a big black ring on that shit. But it's like, I fixed it. I made it look better than when we got there. This 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 was the best. <laughs> so you cleaned it. You like fixed it. You like cleaned I, it up. I fixed it and cleaned it up. Like what I was trying to do, I was trying to make homemade French fries. Speaking yeah. of French fries. Damn. Right. But I was making homemade <laughs> French fries from potatoes. And I went on YouTube to see how to make the very best ones. Yeah. It was like, yeah, cut them up and then soak them inside cold water. Yep. And then put them in the freezer for a little while. Let them crisp so up. So they firm up. Fir- firm up a little bit. Yep. You fry them for a little bit. But not too long. Just fry them for a second and take yeah. them back out. But you fry them at 150 Fahrenheit. Mm. First, first and then you take them back, take them back out, out let them cool yep. get the oil to 180 mm-hmm. and then and fry those motherfuckers again yes now now what That'd i did nice. when i when i went back to fry them for the second time yeah. there was still too much moisture on the french fry and when i put it in that hot ass oil that shit <laughs> you've made a fucking grease fire super grease fire <laughs> like the grease spilled all over the stove it's just smoking everywhere so then i pick up the pot that I'm, that I'm boiling the, the well, I'm frying the, the fries and I pick up the pot and then I take it away from the stove to get it off the heat and it's still boiling over as I'm holding it and it's all boiling over to the floor, the ground and the rug and the rug just with all that boiling hot grease destroyed that rug. Just like the, the rug catch on fire? It, it was it melted. Okay, it, mel- okay, yeah, yeah, it yeah, melted, melted the shit out of it. So it's Yikes. like I, I cleaned the stove to where it's like the stove looked even better than before. Like I bought all this stuff to clean it so they wouldn't notice. But the rug, it was like, what are we gonna do about that? So we went on a scavenger hunt that next uh, Sunday to find the same rug. To find the exact same rug, Brian. We found that rug. <laughs> <laughs> We found that rug. We went to seven different places, like every Dollar General, every Lowe's, every Big Lots, everything. We found it, man, and we replaced it. And it was that like, is fucking hilarious. It was very fun. Yeah, that is like a sitcom type situation. It's yeah, like we have to find this rug now. Gotta find it. I don't fucking know. Gotta find it. Yeah, but it's like we waited for long because I didn't talk about it because I was like they're yeah. gonna, they're gonna notice something and they're right. they're gonna take the security deposit from us or whatever. But no, they said we were perfect guests. Everything was great. So good. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> n- none of that. Like so. But basically, what I was getting to. So it's like y'all didn't have any any fuck ups or anything. No, we we j- really didn't. Like I yes. I triggered the smoke alarm. Oh yeah, we did. Yep. The, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Um, because I was making a toast, mm. and a piece of the the butter just went under the like oh. it fell on the pan into the stove, and yeah. it just fucking went up in smoke. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, all right, trigger that. Yeah. But we had a huge fucking garage. So we're in the mountains. Someone's gonna bother us. No. no. Even even if like that alarm is for us. Yeah. No fire. Nobody's, people no. are gonna come up there. No. No. <laughs> not in time to do anything. <laughs> not in time. Yeah. Not in time. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, no, no fuck ups. It was pretty great. We cleaned up, put nice. the sheets on top top of the bed. Yep. The usual, wiped everything down, mm-hmm. left everything the way they left it. Yeah. I really like the Airbnb experience. I fucking love that. Me too. Um, but that that fucking cabin trip was fantastic because nice. like it was just an excuse to do nothing but relax, yeah. sleep, 
and then like make dinner. Mm-hmm. And they had Kaiser, they had like cast iron skillets for us. Nice. Which I fucking love cast iron skillets. Mm-hmm. And I gotta get one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was fucking fantastic. We just chilled, watched the mountains. I took a couple of shots of the mountains yeah. and like just relaxed. And then I went to Raleigh and visited Sage. Nice. And I saw what NC State looks like. Oh yeah. Um, let me tell you something. NC State looks like so you know all the movies where that take place on a university campus. Mm-hmm. NC State looks like that campus. Yeah, it does. In yeah. any movie, yeah. <laughs> that's Ra- awesome. Ra- Raleigh is like the bougie upscale version of Charlotte. Yeah, like, <laughs> Sage called it Charlotte Light because okay, it's yeah. like tiny. It's, it's much smaller. But Charlotte. But it's so much more expensive. Like the the class is is a, it's a higher class there. It's more expensive to stay yeah. there. But it's so nice. It's I beautiful. Got, yeah. We went to a tiny, like a Mexican place called Coco Bongo. Nice. Um, just fucking delicious food. Yeah. The waitress like slammed me with the door by accident, like mm. the bathroom door. Yeah. We were both leaving out the door and then she just opened and just like, Gunk! okay. Like right on me. It's just, Yeesh. Well, it was great. Yeah. Food was great. They had great churros nice. and delicious flan. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. That was kind of the whole week. Like it was like such, a, it was like such an eventful week. Yeah. Where nothing happened. Okay, I mean that's, that's something. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, that's yeah. not super relaxing. It was like it was like a total of like ten hours driving. Yeah. I think uh, just like two and hours for the trip yep. to the mountain, then back, right. then to Raleigh, Raleigh. Right. and like, do you know the best part is I did not have to deal with the All Star Charlotte game. You didn't at no. all, not no. at all. Well, I mean, well, you still got Tom. Uh, like, well, oh, fuck. <laughs> is there a game today? What the the, the biggest part is today? Oh, the biggest part yeah. is today. Good yeah. thing I'm not going it's, out it's today. Soon, as soon as I leave here, I'm going directly to Uptown to for, like I, I've been talking about this yeah. for two years, and yeah, because I was like, I can't wait for this to come here because of podcast promotion. Like, I right. just go through, and I've met so many people over the past two days. Oh, really, so many people. Wait, like, have you been in Uptown for that game? Yeah, oh, I mean, nice. well, I haven't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still poor. Right. You yeah. know, it's like I'm haven't gone to the game, but you've yeah, been in yeah. town. I haven't been inside of any of the games or any of the uh, the, the uh, events. Right. But I've been around and like just talking to people and trying to network and stuff like that. Right. But it's like, I guess it's like part of me, like the introvert, wants to stay inside of the house five days a week, yeah. and then the extrovert has to get out one of those two days <laughs> and just be extreme. It's part of that extreme personality thing. Right. Don't do anything, and then do everything. So like. This weekend, I'm really liking just because of, like, I don't want it to be like this every day in Charlotte. Right. But I do want Charlotte to have more opportunities, you know, like. I, like this. We, yeah, we shouldn't have to go all the way to Atlanta to find a job. Yeah, you know, well, that's true. You're right. So it's like, I'm, I'm glad that we're just getting more recognition, more people, more notoriety in Charlotte, you know, so that's pretty cool. That's true. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, apparently, fucking Guy Fieri and uh, Jamie Spike Fox. Lee and Jamie Foxx and Jay Cole were here. Yeah. Among um, hundreds of others. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, do you know a rapper called uh, J.I.D.? Jid, yes. Jid? Yeah, he's from uh, Atlanta. He's really good. He's from Atlanta? Mm-hmm. I just saw his music video with J. Cole mm-hmm. for Of These. Yeah. Fucking fantastic. Yes. I've been in love with that like music video, and I've been listening to that album. It's yeah. just like fucking good. No, it is. Yeah, yeah. Jid is awesome. Shout out to Jonathan for turning me up in that guy. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, so Charlotte All Star, what's that about? What is the All? What even is the All Star? Um, All Star Weekend is the uh, the twenty three best players in the NBA. They're all voted by you know people, whatever, okay. and then they come to a specific city and they play the game. Right. But um, there haven't there hasn't been one in Charlotte since nineteen ninety one. Oh Jesus! And Christ. I remember this. You know, because I, I was six years old and I'm like, how how do I have such strong, vivid memories of something that happened in 19 freaking 91? You know, but it was because it was my city. It was the colors that I was seeing, everything. Everything was there. And it's just I'm, I'm just trying to hold on to as many memories as I can right now, because we might not see this again until I'm 60. <laughs> you know, like, seriously. But, you know what? Fair enough. That's true. Yeah. 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 Anything else you've been watching? Oh, like, man. Anything? Yeah. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Oh, I've really? seen a Weird City, the show that's produced by uh, Jordan Peele. Okay, uh, cool. Executive How was that? And written. Um, 
good isn't the word to describe it, but but weird. This is his take on uh, what's a, a Twilight Zone, Twilight Black Zone. Mirror yeah. with a comedy overtone type thing. Okay. Um, the world that is set in is 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 funny and is not supposed to be logical at all. It's very like it's very Twilight ish. Mm-hmm. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's funny. It has. Characters like a LeVar Burton that you would know from like Star yeah. Trek or reading Rainbow mm-hmm. playing a character that you would never think, you know, he would be playing. Um, it's, it's really good. There's um, there's a guy in episode one who I don't know who he is, but um, did you ever see a show called Teen Wolf? Yeah. But whoever the guy, the main character from Teen Wolf. Oh, fuck. I know. I know. I got Daniel something or social yeah. the D. But they were going crazy over this guy. I was like, oh, my God, he's the best. I'm like, I never heard of this guy. But apparently he has a large following. Yeah. He's got like a like his jaw is like slightly off to the yeah. right side. Yeah. 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 That guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he was in there. Ed O'Neill from Married with Children was on there. He plays a gay character and it's not for comedy. Right. I'm like, wow. Like he it's 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 it's, it's, it's Worth seeing Where some. Where is it streaming? Is it on Netflix? It's or on it? YouTube. I'm YouTube. Oh, YouTube yes. Premium. It's on YouTube Premium. Yeah. Gross. It's um. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't recommend it and say that it's good, but it's worth checking out to see if it's your flavor. Right. Type of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Um. The other two things, real quick. Kill, the killing of a sacred deer. Oh yeah. What would you think about that? Your gross Lanthimos, man. Oof, my boy. I was listening to him talking, Marion. He's yeah. a, he's like an interesting dude. I bet. Yeah. Like, after seeing this, this is the, I had never seen Killing the Sacred Deer. I, the first movie was The Lobster that right. you had the poster of. And then you and, saw The Favorite. Since you've seen The Favorite at the movies recently. Killing the Sacred Deer, I didn't enjoy it as much because of the ending, and it just seemed kind of very out there. But I love his tone. Like, you see the tone that he does in everything that he does, and I can't wait to see more from him. Right. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because, like, Killing of the Sacred Deer came after The Lobster, which mm-hmm. is definitely a funny entry. Yes. But it was still a very uncomfortable, funny movie. Yeah. But this one, he went for the discomfort. Yeah. And then just stuck, just stuck with discomfort. Like it made it like uncomfortable to watch through and through. Very much. And uh, I absolutely love that about the killing of a sacred deer mm-hmm. because they're both movies that have very similar effects yeah. in very drastically different ways. Very much. Yeah. And I love that about him. Like yeah. I love how he committed to that, just wide clinical, mm-hmm. like just. Ugh, yeah. tone like the whole it. movie made me just feel like Ugh, yeah uh, the whole time uh, it's like he's just torturing this kid that he has locked up down in his basement and i yeah. mean it's, it's a whole thing <laughs> do you see the the scene with the kid eating the spaghetti yeah yeah they said um they said you eat spaghetti uh, just like your dad <laughs> so <laughs> fucking oh. gross it's like that was like like the scene opens with an open heart surgery yeah, first thing that spaghetti scene made me 10 times more comfortable <laughs> than the open heart surgery i can see that just god damn it yeah. anyway that and the last thing I saw was um that's worth uh, talking is the uh, you were never really here Walking Phoenix. Oh yeah, that movie's fucking dope. It is. It is. Like I I, I would I don't want to rate it, but it's like mm-hmm. I like the movie a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot. It, it's visually this thing was was on point. I don't know if I understood it the way that I needed to. I didn't understand that either. You know? I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But I know that I didn't understand it not because of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it was like I have just have to watch the movie. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I was so. watching the movie. I was letting the movie happen, and I wasn't just like interacting and just trying to analyze it. But from what I was watching, I I really 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 enjoyed it. But so I, I would recommend that. Oh, the imagery is beautiful. Yes. Oh, and yeah. that scene where like the lady pretended to be asleep, mm-hmm. and then she got killed, and he asked about it. Mm-hmm. But she texted us about yeah. that scene actually. But like Ooh. you can see like the rage after yeah. that happened. It's so good. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I haven't yeah. been seeing a lot. Yeah, I haven't like because I, I wasn't even in fucking <laughs> like I just been watching Saving Universe because that's like the default yep. like pass the time show. Yeah, and it's getting dark. We're at the point where like 
It's being wholesome, mm-hmm. but now it's dark. Now it's a little like we're talking about like genocide and like world domination mm-hmm. and like a thing that'll destroy the earth from the inside out. Like okay. there's death, things are happening. I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. Saving Universe still. And, uh, but yeah, I didn't get to watch anything. I've been meaning to watch Roma and The Favorite. Um, and I think I'm going to sit down this week and do those. Yeah. Because I really, really want to like just digest them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I d- didn't see anything except for Polar, which yeah. I'm excited to talk about because I have a lot to say about Same. reviewers. Oh, um, no. yeah. <laughs> well, I have a lot to say about the movie or about people that seen the movie. It's about so it's about both. So I'm going to talk with the reviewers mm-hmm. here um, yeah. because I think that reviews, like I, every so often, I look for reviews mm-hmm. just to see what people are saying, especially when it's a movie that's got like polarizing reviews. Okay, where like no pun intended, mm-hmm. where like. Um, one subsection of the of the people that watched it loved it, and the other subsection of the people that watched it hated it. I didn't see that with this movie. Um, really, you didn't? I like, mean, I look for reviews too, but it's critics like critics fucking hated it. I think the critics hated it, but it's yeah. like I didn't see. If I was if I looked at a thousand reviews, which I didn't, mm-hmm. like I would have seen like twenty people that said they loved it, and then everybody else is in that murky area or terrible. And terrible. Like, yeah, I couldn't yeah. like whenever I like I have an opinion about it. Whenever whenever I have a, an opinion about a movie, I look to disprove my opinion. <laughs> You know, so it's like if I love a movie, I'm like, this is a 100. This is a 100. So all the reviews I'm looking for are to tell me I'm wrong. Right. So for this one, I thought my opinion, and I was looking for anybody to tell me that this is the best movie ever. And yeah. I couldn't find more I, than like I 10. I found several. Like, Grant had a lot of them. So I think that the divide in this movie is like definitely critics critics versus users. Okay. Um, and like a lot of the users review really like the movie. Mm. Uh, and some of the reviews are just, all right, fuck off. You don't understand what you're talking yeah. about. But uh, I saw a lot of them that were like people that knew what they were talking about. Mm. And that they were just fucking, like, enjoy the movie. They had fun with the movie. And yeah. the critics fucking hated it. Yes. And I have no problem with critics fucking hating it. Yeah. Like, I'm fine with that. But there was a review, like, and I tweeted about this. And it's just, like, reviewers are just nasty people. They, they can, can be. be really nasty people. Yeah. Someone said that the guy that directed the movie mm. had essentially the mind, the mind of a 13-year-old man-child obsessed with Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Like, they just said that in a line in their review. And I was just like... Why do you have to say such a dickish thing about an artist that's just making a product? Ah. You know? Like, it's okay to say that the humor is juvenile or the okay. action is juvenile uh-huh. or something like that. Like, that's okay to say. Mm. But to say that this comes from a director who feels like there's, like, it feels like there's a 13 year old man child at the wheel of this film. Yeah. Just kind of like, ah, oh, why do you have to be so nasty? I don't know. That's not terrible. It's like, I guess if he was, like, to say something like personal, it's like, this person has some deeply things going on in their, their life. They need to seek help for whatever kind of thing they have going on in their personal life. But it's just like, it feels like this is happening. I don't know. That didn't seem too, it too just, harsh. It just, it just feels insult. It just feels like critics insult. Like, whenever critics don't like something, mm. It, sometimes it feels like they're insulting the person that made it instead mm. of talking about the, the thing movie. Yeah. that they're doing it, and that just makes me really mad. I and like, that. that's yeah. part of like that's part of the reason why I've like shied away from like even writing or like reading reviews mm. a lot is because a lot of the times reviewers are just fucking nasty. It can be, yeah. They're just talking shit about the director and the people that worked for the yep. movie, and it's just like, listen, I get it. Like the maybe you didn't like the product, yeah. But these are people that dedicated two years for a project. Damn right. Like, be a little respectful be, be a about little, that. That's, that's where I've been coming in from yeah. day one to where it's just like, just being objective. Right. It's like, it doesn't matter what my, what, how I feel or my opinion about any of this. This is the black and white of it does this, it does that. Like, I can't, mm. I, I hate to put myself in the middle of 
the, what was what is actually doing. But right. like, well, my opinion of this is this director, yada yada yada. No, fuck that. What does the movie do? What does the movie not do? And there we go. But I think the thing is that you can have you can bring subjectivity into it, and you can be like, I didn't like this movie. This yeah. movie did this. It, it felt juvenile. It felt that. You can say all of those things. Yeah. But to go as far as to say this director is a shallow director with nothing deeper than a couple of the music videos that he's done for Lady Gaga, Beyonce, and all these people, mm. and he feels like a 13-year-old at the wheels of a project, yeah. it's just kind of like, fucking lay off the man. Like, he did a project, yeah. and you just watched it, and it got distributed. Like, that takes some credit. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry that you didn't like the fucking movie, yeah. but there's no reason to attack the... The, like the spearhead of a project or attack the people that worked on a project, you know? Mm. And like, I was thinking back, like we talked a lot about Paul Cosmatos and then we fucking hated Beyond the Black Rainbow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but in, at any moment, I don't think that we even attacked the director. Like, we No, just, definitely not. He just has his sensibilities. He has a vision. Yeah. And we didn't like that vision. No. And then like, but like reading reviews online for things like that and seeing reviewers get nasty mm. and edgy with their language yeah. and try to push the boundaries of like what's okay to say and not okay to say in a yeah. review yeah. just really fucking grinds me. I, I think yeah, I, I get that grind. Yeah. It's from uh, both sides. Is um, the grind is from hyperbole, right? You yeah. know, so it's like either way, it's like if you're going over the top to shit on something, or you're going over the top to say how great something is that isn't that great. You know, it's just like either way, the hyperbole isn't super necessary. You know, it really isn't. And and so I, I feel like reviewers, because like I enjoy watching movies, yeah. I enjoy talking about oh, yeah. movies. That's yeah. the reason why we've been doing this for three years. Yeah. Like it's part of the fun. Yes, but I don't think. That any mean, I don't think mean spiritedness has any room in that environment because mm. it's already such a high competitive environment, yep. and it's already a community of people that think that if they're not the only ones doing something good, then just just gotta shit on everyone doing yeah. something good. Yep. And I think critics are like critics that engage in this behavior, and there wasn't that many of them that attacked the director directly. Yeah. I only saw one or two that like talk shit about the director specifically. Yeah. Um, but it just it just fucking grinds me, and we just gotta do better as critics and reviewers, and mm. the language has gotta shift mm. a little bit more because I think it's it's just not productive to the discussion of art. I agree. You know, I agree. With it's that. fucking ugh, yeah. ugh. It's gross. It's nasty. Anyway, that's all I had to say about the reviewers this time around. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to say before we cut? No, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. There's a, there was something I was reading earlier about people when they're in the middle of a debate and mm -hmm. instead of debating the actual subject, they turn and try to tear down the person. You know, and that's something that we're getting here with the movie. It's like when you're not intelligent enough to voice your opinions about a movie specifically and break down the goods and the bads, then you're going directly for the the human that right. behind it. And that you nothing comes from that. Yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's not productive discourse. No. Um, like this guy, he's done great music videos and he's got a, like, he's definitely got style mm. down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, style. cause you need like filmmakers that went from music videos to cinema mm. tend to have a unique visual style and vision. Yeah. Um, and like that definitely shines through, but it's his, it's his first like narrative project of this caliber. Mm. And he's doing it with Matt Mickelson, who's a fantastic actor and like Vanessa Hudgens, who's a great actress too. And it's like this really just great stylized thing mm. and then people just go no nah, no nah, fuck that <laughs> doesn't matter he doesn't know how to direct he directs music videos no. like, shut the fuck up yeah anyway uh we're gonna cut and then we're gonna talk about the actual movie itself polar hey, hey. um and so we'll be right back hey, hey. and welcome back 
Polar, Chris, what's your thing? All right, Polar. It came out in 2019 as a Netflix original. It has a runtime of one hour, 59 minutes. Uh, the rundown is the world's top assassin, Duncan Vizsla, a.k.a. the Black Kaiser, is settling into retirement when his former employer marks him as a liability to the firm. Against his will, he finds himself back in the game, going head-to-head with an army of younger, faster, and ruthless killers who will stop at nothing to have him silenced. Uh, the director is Jonas Ackerland. The right Ri- Ackerland. Ac- Ac- yeah. I guess E. Silent, maybe. Ackerland. Yeah. Some, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, writer is Jason Rothwell, and it stars Mads Mikkelsen. Is that you Mads Mikkelsen. Mads, uh, I think Mads, it's Mads, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads actually. Mikkelsen, Vanessa Hudgens, and Catherine Winnick. Mm-hmm. Mads Mikkelsen uh, from Hannibal fame. Oh, okay, from Hannibal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he he's a fantastic. He's a phenomenal. He's, good. he's actor. a good actor. Yeah. Um, he has a movie called The Hunt. He did Hannibal, and he's in like he was in Rihanna's Bitch, but I have my money. Okay. Um, at the end, so like just a fun cameo there. Yeah. Um, but I fucking love Mads Mikkelsen, and that's actually what got me to watch this movie. Okay. It's the fact that it was Mads in it. Yeah. Um, and I just so the movie is very simple. It's it has a very John Wick premise to it you know if, man against organization okay you know? <laughs> like because i love john wick yeah and, yeah, yeah. yeah and like so i know th- this movie is very polarizing i in terms of like from what i read it's very polarizing online i personally really like this film okay i think it's a phenomenal experiment of like translating a graphic novel into a movie mm-hmm. and i think that it takes a lot of the piss over some of the action cliches that we've come to know mm-hmm. and then hate, and some some of them it, it it turns some of them on its head and like makes fun of them a little bit. Okay. Um, that being said, I, it is not nearly as in depth in or de- as interesting as John Wick. There, there's um I, I have a a negative take, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like this is going too far because it's fact. Mm-hmm. This is pornography. Oh, it, it feels this, like that. This yeah. is pornography. Yeah. And it's just like, I even had to like look up the full definition, but just because we had a professor that would just throw that out us right. every single time, like with things that I enjoyed. And it was like, this is an art. This is pornography. And I'm not going so far to say this is not art, but I'm saying this is also pornography at the very least. And yeah, like, it's got a pornographic tinge to it. It's like, I, by definition, it was like the, depi- the, the, the depiction of acts in a sensational manner so as to arouse a quick and intense emotional reaction. Yep. Um, also, the pornography of violence. And it made me think of a movie called Hostel that was just gore for the sake of gore. Right. It was, it's just like, I, it's like I'm, not, I'm not an action fan. So it's like if something is going to happen on screen, I would like for it to have a purpose more right. so than the, oh, that looks cool. You know, and I got a lot of those moments of we're doing this because it is fun. It is cool and it's a good time and it's exciting more so than to move the story along or to tell a cohesive story. Right. So like. If for if I'm gonna say with the movie something, it is fun, mm-hmm. it is entertaining. But I think where we, we're looking at reviews, a lot of that de- de- divisiveness is coming from like people that don't know how to separate the this is a movie that I enjoy, this is an entertaining movie. So like the same person that loves this movie, that's not a critic, they will say I love this movie. This is a nine. You know, I, right. regular, I love this movie. It's a nine. And then the critics come by and they're like, what the hell? Th- th- you love this movie. And then they'll rate it even lower. But just mm-hmm. to, you know, average it out. Like, nope, it's a one. It's a not like looking at reviews, 19 on Metacritic, like two on something else. Like it was the highest score that I could find anywhere. If, like on average was a 6.3. Yeah, 6.8 on IMDb. IMDb was 6.8. I'm sorry. Yeah, 6.8 on IMDb. So, so I'm like, what the hell? So it's like I'm looking for everything to, to save this. So like what are the good things that I can say about it? And good things are that. It's entertaining if you enjoy 
like heavy action killing like blood. It's definitely you know? so it, it rises the line. I think this is one of those movies that rises the line between being like a popcorn flick, mm. something that you can watch and just shut your brain yep, off. Definitely. And something that that is so stylized mm. and enjoyable to look at that you can engage with it on that context as okay. well. So you can like sort of turn your brain off and enjoy all the action. Um, but when you know that the movie's based on a graphic novel mm. um, by Victor Santos, yeah. and like you really start to notice the aesthetic of the film, and you realize that the film feels like a graphic yeah, novel. Definitely, it's got that vibe where like a lot of the shots are very like static and very close and very solemn and just graphic novel like. Like yeah. the tone of the film, especially in the scenes with Mass Mikkelsen and Vanessa Hudgens, mm. feel very graphic novel. Yeah. and then. So, and then this is actually my biggest gripe with the movie is that it's, there are definitely two films happening at the same time. Mm. You got the film that's happening with Mass and Vanessa Hudgen, and then you got the film that's happening with the villains mm. that are looking for Mads. Yeah. And there's even a stylistic difference between the, the two, two of them, yeah. which is like the villains that are looking for Mads are all very contrasty and saturated and high colorful and high energy. Yeah. And the scenes with Mads are very black and white, muted, beige yeah. colors yeah. in this like small town in Montana. Yeah. And and so like those two things are so different with each other yeah. um, that when you cut back and forth between them, it can give you like a bit of like filmmaker whiplash. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Um, but that is that being my biggest drive with the movie, I feel like that got fixed towards the third act okay. because these two worlds start merging mm. with each other. And then the third act is an action piece that is reminiscent of all the pieces that are happening with the villains and the mad action thing. Mm -hmm. And then the same solemnness style, solemn style and, and aesthetic that have been happening with Mads Mikkelsen and Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. And the third act blends those two styles to create a third style that suits the third act of the film very, very much. There was, there's a, um, like a pastiche would be a mm -hmm. word that I, that I would, um, use for this is uh, someone that's clearly looked at, uh, the, the history of cinema, mm -hmm. you know, before making this film. But I think my biggest gripe would be because I, I didn't, like I said, I, this is a fun movie. This is entertaining for those no. that, that are, that would be entertained by this. But my biggest gripe is that I can't find a reason to go back and watch this again in the future. And reason being is because I couldn't find anything unique or different from him. Like the thing, as far as being stylized, if mm -hmm. I want to see that style, then I can watch a, um, a Edgar Wright, not even Edgar Wright, Guy Ritchie. Yeah. You know, it's like I've seen people do what he's done, and I won't even say better way, but I've just seen it done. You know, yeah. so there was nothing new or unique for me to specifically go back for that. As far as the acting, there's nothing that I'm like I want to pin this so I can come back and be like that's you know. Right. And Mad didn't do a bad job acting, but it was just there was nothing in the movie that I was I, that I had to pin and say at some point in the future I need to remember to use this as a reference. Right. I think that I can I can see that. Yeah. I I would disagreeing that for me personally mm -hmm. because i feel like this movie is very like if you want to learn how to use gore in a way that is like very aesthetically pleasing this movie has that and like that has been done before yeah, kill bill like i mean uh, yeah i've seen but like, that, that's been done before but i think kill bill is much more cartoony sure. what i think what i like about this what about like i like about this film yeah. in terms of that is like i really like the way that the gore and the action sequences really mixed with the solemn and just brooded muted style of Matt Mickelson as mm. an action star. Yeah. Like those things work really well for me. I think Mickelson being that quiet subdued performance 
in this like over the top where like the bad guy is like dude that squirts lotion on him and yeah. has like <laughs> middle-aged asian woman spread it all over his body in the yeah. gynecologist stable yeah. and and matt lucas did a great job being the over the top performance yeah. but the perform like the character itself wasn't good like it's meant to be over the top and yeah. it's meant to be bad and oh, cheesy oh yeah um, but Matt Lucas, who plays that character, I think did an amazing job in portraying that annoying James Bond, like not even James Bond, like <laughs> Mr. Evil type sure. character. Yeah. You know? Like it's yeah. a caricature of the character. Yeah. And they did some fun things with that character mm. and the henchman that he carries near the third act that I really appreciated. Okay. Um, but I think that for reference, this movie, like for me, I could pin in this movie that yeah. the the style of the movie, yeah. if you wanted to translate a graphic novel into cinema, yeah. this is a movie that you can look at as a benchmark for that Okay, because the tone of graphic novel never left the film. I, if I, I would agree with you a, a thousand percent if I hadn't uh, watched another movie that you suggested. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a movie about a video game thing come to life. Uh, we covered it about four or five weeks ago, and it's the best version of a video game come to a movie that I've, I've seen oh, today. Uh, was it one rocker? Bonraku, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought about Bonraku too as well. Yeah, so, so it's like even still, if I hadn't seen Bonraku, then I would be on the on your boat all the way. But like this is a great example. It's just I don't think it did it better than Bonraku. But I think they're different things. I think okay. Bonraku was trying for like a video game aesthetic, sort of the way that Scott Pilgrim was trying yeah. to incorporate the video game aesthetic. Yeah. But I think that um, this movie did that same thing that Scott Pilgrim and Bonraku were doing with video games, mm -hmm. and then but took it from like a very solemn noir type graphic novel and translate that into the screen mm -hmm. so i think that they're doing the same thing effectively yeah. they're just using very different sources for what they're doing okay. so i think the value in this movie that you can go back to as an audience or a filmmaker yeah. is to understand how that transition from graphic novel to film mm -hmm. without losing the tonality of the graphic novel looks like that's and the same way that you can look at scott pilgrim and mm -hmm. translate that video game aesthetic without losing what that source looks like yeah. same way with one rocker i can agree with that yeah. i'm on that boat yeah um so like the film it is it is just an entertaining fest like the yeah. film is meant to be entertaining from, and it's meant to be fun from the op from from the it's clear like from the opening mm -hmm. scene onward like that the director set out to make a fun film right and like i, I watched i didn't know i had watched some this some of this already i watched this in canada on netflix <laughs> the first 15 minutes but i didn't know the name of it we just clicked on something right and my girlfriend was walking into that route of the room and we were seeing johnny knoxville he's the first person on the screen so i was like okay it's a johnny knoxville movie like all right and then it sets it up like this is just about to be some jazz ass shenanigans like yeah. he gets shot and while he's getting a blowjob then he gets shot again then shot again and, and then they come up and then shot again i was like hold on this is over the top like ridiculous like okay yep. so it's like the first 10 minutes just like let me know i'm like okay i'm not supposed to take this serious right. you know this is just supposed to be like for fun have fun movie you know but that same prologue is also delivers you a really good amount of information that is necessary for the plot of the movie oh yeah yo that that same scene comes back at the end of the movie yeah the yeah. um yeah uh, it, it does that, uh, but that beginning to also you described that as pornographic. Oh yeah, that same that first scene is shot entirely like a porno. Yeah, it's <laughs> like absolutely a porn movie yeah. in those first ten minutes, mm -hmm. and then it takes that and then it makes fun of it by bringing in the people with the gun and then making it a sort of a pornography of violence mm -hmm. type setting. Yeah, and then it switches us over to Mads Mikkelsen living his brooding life alone yep. in the mountains, yep. and then that's that's really where like the tonal shift of the movie come in when like we just. The pornographic versus the solemn, and then seeing those mixed in at the yeah, end for yeah. me, just like mm, it worked. The um, 
I was I was looking at like characters, the characters in there mm-hmm. besides Mad, and like looking for someone that I could care about. You know, we talk a lot about like um, it's you don't you won't care about the their death unless you care about their them as a person beforehand. Right. And like all the deaths seem very gratuitous. Yeah. You know, is well as yeah, as we've been saying, it's just like death after death after death. You know, for seemingly like not much purpose. But um, my my gripe with those deaths were that. The characters, and I don't know, maybe they shouldn't, but they didn't have any depth to the characters at all. Right. Like the, uh, there was a lot of characters that are introduced, and we don't know much if anything about them, no. and they're introduced for the sake of being killed, almost yep. basically. So it's like it, it was, it's, it, uh, it's, it's almost even too difficult, not too difficult. Maybe I could have tried harder, you know, to find more within it. But I don't know if he wanted us to find with so much, except for just sit back and enjoy what's happening to your face <laughs> yeah and and, and mm. i think that that is i don't think this movie is a movie that's very deep mm. and i don't think there's anything to look forward other in these characters other than like maybe mads yeah and vanessa, and vanessa Hudgens. yeah uh those are the only two characters that maybe have some like reasonable amount of depth yeah. but like on them um but i don't think that we're meant to mm. think about it yeah um because a lot of these characters exist as an extension of the bad guy yeah. and an extension of the organization and it's all very clinical. It's all very like this is just a job. Yep. We just have to kill you. Yeah. And 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 I love that take on it um, because it's a movie that t- like knows what it is mm. and things that know what they are. I absolutely like love mm. because even if they're not good, yeah, they know they're true what to they themselves. Do. Yeah, yeah, they're like, well, this is what we wanted to go yep. for. This is what we did. Yeah. And this movie is definitely style over substance. Oh yeah. Like oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But is it fun style? It can be. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think it's a lot of fun. And I think it looks very beautiful. It, it looks nice. It looks know? nice. There was there was a scene where um, our, our main character, where Mad is, uh, he's finally captured. Mm-hmm. He's caught by the person that he believes to trust, you know, mm-hmm. for years. And um, I guess he's poisoned, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, he's poisoned. And uh, they have him hanging up. And it was probably, like, the most disturbing, like, scene in the movie for me. Like, he just takes, like, a clippers or something, and he just starts peeling away the skin yep. little by little. And it's like the, the bad guy trope. I'm not going to kill you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been looking for you for the longest time. You done killed all of my people. I ain't going to kill you now. I'm just going to lock you up in this room, and I'll come back. You're not going to escape. You t- right. totally won't escape. But then, like, besides <laughs> that is the, um, the like, the gratuitous gore. Like, I, it's like, and I, I like, I talk about wanting to see kids burn and, and shit. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, I like to see things like, but when they have purpose and it was just like three days of just peeling his skin off and cutting at him and stabbing at him. And it didn't, like I said, didn't serve much purpose of seeing all of that, except if you enjoy like the gore of it, I guess. Here's, here's why I think, so leading into, I took a note, this is the third act. I think the third act for me is the strongest part of the film. And the reason why I think that is, is first of all, it's blending those two aesthetics from those two things. And it's very good. But also it's the moment where like a calm, collected assassin Mm. who didn't take, really didn't take anything personal. No. Up until the point that they kidnapped Vanessa Hodgins' character. Mm -hmm. Um, And that torture bit for me is just like how this calm and collected assassin that is almost never killed out of temper or like, no, he's never killed out of temper. You know, he's always been super chill. Yep. And reasonable about the fact that this is what his job is. Yeah, business, yeah. Um, has now finally lost his temper. And what happens when that character loses his temper? So the torture, really, like, if we had cut and we just had the first day of torture, mm-hmm. and then he would have escaped, it I mean, well, wouldn't have been emotionally satisfying. No, you know? Not like that, but it's like, you don't, there's a way to film things and show things happening over time right. without 
just showing us every single torturing moment of it. You know, you mm-hmm. can start there and then like, oh, this is four days. And how do we show that he's been tortured for those past four days without actually showing him being tortured for four days? Mm-hmm. I just feel like creatively there was a better way to do that rather than the, the day one of torture, mm-hmm. day two of torture, exact same thing. Day three of torture, exact same thing. Day four, oh, now mm-hmm. he breaks out. There was, I feel like there was a way to condense that and get the exact same message across. There might have been, but I, I agree with you that there might have been a way to condense that, but I like the fact that we see the slow buildup of anger mm. on him as a character during those four days. Okay. And then, because when he breaks out, then oh, like, the, the calm, collected character is like completely gone. Mm-hmm. And so he's just this angry, exhausted kind of beast that's just going around killing people. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you that that information could be condensed. Maybe, yeah. Um, but I like I just I like the way that they play with those tropes. They mm. play with the bad guy with a pool of sharks trope. Yeah. yeah. And and present it in a way that's like not refreshing necessarily, but it's taking the piss of it out yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And the the bad guy is ridiculous and he's coming in and torture and yeah. the organization itself is a little bit silly. Like what assassin organization has a pension program? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh and so like and now the the real the whole reason the movie happens is because the mo- the organization wants to save that money yeah. and take it back into it. Yeah. And and so like the premise is a bit silly. The organization with a pension plan, they don't want to pay you, so now you're on their targets. Mm. And I just feel like like it's taking the tropes that we know and they're just going like, ah, oh, that's a bit silly. We're gonna have fun with that. Yeah. Um which I I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess if, I, if I'm looking at this like a um an action comedy, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's a, it's a bit different. But I, I didn't and I didn't really realize they were taking the piss so much. Right. From, well, maybe it's like well, it seemed like they were having fun, you know, from the very beginning of it because of the scene. It just seemed, but I didn't notice like an intellectual um, studying of of something and then subverting it right. so much as it seemed like. This se- this seems like the way to get a reaction. Everything seemed like reaction based. I do this, this happens more mm-hmm. so than like I said. Th- maybe we weren't supposed to get anything from it that deep, right? But um, if if I'm gonna hang my hat on something, then the the most I can give it for doing something very very well is that transition of showing how to make a novel into a movie and right do it by your own laurels. <laughs> you know, rest on your laurels while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so I'm curious. Like, how do you, I thought the action sequences weren't incredibly amazing. They I were. Thought, yes, I thought they were. They were fine for the most part, and the last sequence was really fucking good. Yeah, the last like 20 minutes of the movie were really good. Yep. But the action sequences before then were just kind of like not great. Yeah, um, and it felt like they were they were taking like what made John Wick good and trying to rip it off i've, I've been purposely trying not to say john yeah. wick this whole time <laughs> no, I, I, but i think you should because okay. i think that part of that is the purpose of the film okay it's taking that like best assassin ever in the same way that john wick be like a legendary assassin yeah you know we have the Hark kaiser mm-hmm. and then we have the boogeyman yeah and john wick yep. and they're parallels yeah and i think that this movie is like it reminded me of like so if mandy and john wick mm-hmm created a character yeah that is it's kind of on this vein of content that polar is yeah um because mads as a character is very john wick in style but everything else around them is very mandy in style and very just over the top and exaggerated very much uh and i think that it makes an interesting blend when he's finally been tortured he breaks out he's now wearing an eye patch and he's Mm. got the like really sultry black wool coat yeah 
and he just looks cool as fuck. Yeah. And it's just like the whole time, like every time he was on screen with an eye patch and a coat, I was just imagining like a heavy metal guitar riff <laughs> playing in the back. Yeah. Like it just sounds, it just looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I love that shit. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is a very like it is the like in the beginning, the first thing he does really is buy a dog. Yeah. Or <laughs> I, was like, I don't need a dog. Yeah. Then he has a dog. Yeah. Then he has a dog. Yeah. Then he accidentally kills the dog. It's like ah shit. Yep. And it's just like like all of those moments are very much like yeah, this is a John Wick type character, mm. but we're subverting the John Wick thing. Mm. By just going in another direction with it, which is not nearly as interesting as the director John Wick went. Yeah. And the choreography is not nearly as interesting as the John Wick no. films. But in its own right, it's very fun and fun? interesting yes. to yeah. see them go in the opposite direction of John Wick. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really fucking cool. Yeah. And like the, that hallway scene where they're in the hall, he's breaking out of the, the, the torture room. Yep. And he's in the hall. Like that was a very satisfying breakout scene and fight scene yeah because it does that thing where they show that even the boogeyman can be taken down yep. you know and he's exhausted and he's fighting through and he's getting shot and yep. he's already been tortured yep. but that's the moment that i think that you can see the character transformation from being like the common collected guy to the guy that is going to kill whoever put him through this you yeah know? and that's that's a cool moment i i wish i could have as I, I didn't i still couldn't tell if he was being silly for the sake of being silly or if i'm supposed to take this serious sometimes because like looking at it as a don't take this serious at all mm-hmm. just have fun this is silly like moments like at the end where he's wearing uh gloves that have you know lay green lasers no, that's connected no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. connected to like a rotary machine gun on top of him and the lasers go out through the warehouse and just mows everybody down uh, like that it is the silliest shit uh, ever like so fucking good yeah so it's like at that point i'm like is he serious right now <laughs> you know because like if not like am i either if at that moment at that moment there is either this whole thing is just a silly farce of just turn your brain off and enjoy how ridiculous this is, no. you know, or this is a guy that's like really trying to make something serious and I'm laughing at him and I couldn't tell which one it was. But I think it's both. Is it, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, think, I think that's the beauty. I think that's why I like the film because mm. it is that silly, yeah. but also you're meant to take it a little bit seriously. Mm. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, but, no, no, but, but I think it's meant to be both. I think you're meant to be to realize that, yes, we are taking the piss. Mm. It's kind of like Crank, okay. where Crank is really over the top and really fucking crazy. Yeah. And even the editing reflects that. But you enjoy, I enjoy Crank, particularly mm. because it knows that it's going over the top and yeah. it's crazy. Oh, yeah. And I think I like this movie because I know in the moments where it goes silly, I know that it knows it has to go silly. Yeah. You know? And so I, I just I just think that it's a really good blend of like taking the piss mm. and also enjoying some sort of serious moments, yeah. which tends to happen when Vanessa Hudgens and Matt Mikkelsen are on screen yeah. and that kind of stuff. But yeah, that fucking tur- scene with the turret. It's like, okay. ah, like, what ah. in the name of shit? So or, good. Or when he when he decapitates the uh, the main guy <laughs> and he throws his head out the window and the, the head is just rolling around and taking his last breath. It was like, what? Come on, guy. It's fucking <laughs> great. <laughs> Ah, I loved it. So great. <laughs> you could sell me that shit. Like, that's what I call, like, schlock. Yes. 
and you could sell me that shit in a bottle and yeah. I'd fucking drink it. No, I no, love yeah. Schluck. But that's what we're talking about, the reviews for in critics. It's yeah. like, I think that just like someone that's just a regular person, they'll watch that and they'll be like, yes, I love that. It is a 10. It's right. like the same, the same way that this is a 10 and they'll be like, okay, well, if this is a 10, then like what is whatever is considered a 10 movie right. across the board? Then what is that? Oh, that's a 10 too. And then I'm like, hold on now, what are we talking about? How you can watch, you can't watch both these movies and they're both not 10s, you know, or compare, if I said this is a nine then i have to compare it to every other movie that i've ever seen that is a nine right. and it's not anywhere close to that but just because i make this comparison with um with um oh god it's, it's a terrible movie that i love i give it a four out of ten all the time a weekend, weekend at bernie's, bernie's yeah. it's like i love weekend at bernie's and i would recommend anybody to watch it i really it's a really fun and entertaining movie but i can't say this is a 10 because i love it so much you know but it's also you can't say it's a piece of shit that no one should watch because there's something that you can get from it right. and the same thing from this movie like i'm not gonna rate it super high when we get to it but i also can't say movie fuck off director fuck off i didn't yeah. you know nobody watch it like no there's things that can be enjoyed definitely there's a there's a lot of value in this film mm-hmm. uh in like just entertainment value in general but there's also that's interesting to learn about because like I'm, I'm interested in, in directors that were from the commercial side like mm-hmm. they did commercials and music videos yep. david fincher um spike spike jones, spike, spike jones yeah. um these people that started in that vein of directing yeah. and then they moved into narrative filmmaking mm-hmm. they have a they have an interesting style, yeah. Because their style dominates the filmmaking. I agree, yeah. And like we have in cases with David Fincher, where he makes movies that are very like if you see a David Fincher movie, you, you know. know it's a David Fincher oh, movie. Yeah. Same with a Wes Anderson yep. movie, or I don't know if Wes Anderson the commercials, but mm. um, that style, that stylization mm-hmm. of filmmaking, really is interesting when you have someone that has to make really short form content. Yeah. Um, sort sort of as music videos and make them interesting. Yeah. And Joel, uh, it's the same. Uh, Joel Ackerman, um, uh, jo- Jonas Ackerman, yeah, Jonas Ackerman, and he had to do the same thing. He came in from making music videos, and he's made music videos for Lady Gaga, yeah. Beyonce. There was another really big name in there, um, but this is a guy that's used to having style over substance, yeah. and it's interesting to see that translate in a narrative film. So I think the value of this film is like this is his first narrative project. Yeah. And I'm sure that if we went and we watched David Fincher's first narrative project, mm. we would see traces of that video that he did for Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And and like we would see that style of filmmaking being carried into his narrative filmmaking. Yeah. And then being diluted as he does more and more narrative filmmaking. Yes. So I think this is what's gonna happen with Ackerland if he does make another film. He's very clearly got an eye for style. Yeah. And he knows he, he probably read the graphic novel and understood the source material. And he yeah. just went like, if I wanted to make this into a movie that is somewhat grounded in reality, these are the stylistic choices that I have to make. Hmm. And then he made those stylistic choices. Yeah. And maybe they didn't mesh or they didn't blend entirely and yeah. it was more style over substance. But the fact that he's able to distinguish between those styles to make a finished narrative product, mm-hmm. I'm going to be interested to see what he things. does next yeah. as the narrative filmmaking overtakes the commercial stylistic style of filmmaking yeah and man so, yeah. yeah you just sold me i bought all of that i'm buying all of that because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about like someone like a, a guy named hype williams in mm-hmm. the uh the early 2000s he directed every rapper's video you would ever think of anytime that you ever seen a fish islands yeah. he was the first person to bring that into hip-hop and then he decided oh, that's to, a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, but yeah, he then he got into making movies. He made his first movie called Belly. Mm-hmm. It was a movie starring DMX and Nas and a lot of different people that aren't <laughs> known as good actors. Right. But the style is like from what you're saying, it's like the movie Belly. There's a lot of people that say this is a great movie and it's one of the favorite movies. It's not a great movie, right. but it's coming from a director who has so much experience with making a certain style that for an hour and forty five minutes, this is very great to watch. Right. And it's like you can see where he's developed from there. So like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not writing off. I'm, I'm not writing off this director Ackerland. just yet. Yeah, Ackerlin just yet. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think, I, yeah, and like I think that it's it's important to recognize when a director has a skill set that comes beyond the narrative filmmaking, yeah. and then seeing that adapted into yep. like narrative filmmaking because that's how we learn, and that's how we learn our influences. Yeah. Like the people that influence this guy are probably very stylistic film directors sure. and that probably influenced his music video directing. Yeah. And then because of that, all of his influences in music video directing are sneaking into his narrative oh, film oh directing. Yeah. Yeah. And then so what's that going to look like? When he finds the balance between yep. the, style the, the things that work in style for music videos and narrative filmmaking yeah. and the things that are more conventional and offer a more direct narrative. Yeah. Sort of like Jorgos Lanthimos, um, when he was talking about that, because his style is very unique, his yeah. vision is very specific. Yeah. But The Lobster, he has a couple of Greek movies before that mm. that are not only just more inaccessible because of the language, yeah. but they're inaccessible because the content is very much like it's very violent mm. and it's, it's it's sort of it's it's another type of like pornography of violence. Yeah. But The Lobster is the first time that he recognized the balance between his vision and his style and the things that would make it be able to sell well and the things that are funny and making it a more accessible film. And so, but now now that we have The Lobster, then we had Killing of a Sacred Deer, which was an even more narrative experience than The Lobster. And now we have The Favorite, Mm -hmm. which he didn't even write, Mm. but he worked on the script for eight years. That is is an even more narrative experience than The Killing and The Lobster together. And so like, that those are the experiences why I think these movies, the one that are kind of schlocky mm. and style over substance, like The Man from Uncle, yeah. anything Guy Ritchie has done, mm-hmm. the Edgar Wright films, yeah. that's why I think those films are super valuable to the blogosphere of cinema mm. because they become the films later on that younger people watch yes. and really gravitate towards. Yeah. And then now they're an influence. And then when that kid studies their influences, yeah. they get influenced by the people that influence them. them. Yeah. And then it becomes a huge chain of like, style yeah. and substance and how does the new filmmaker take what they learn from this guy yeah. making this movie and make it their own yeah. and make it their own and make it even better yeah and that's why i think these movies are interesting that's why i love stylistic filmmaking there's that's something i love about doing this podcast with you because we have a different opinion about like what we want in a movie first mm-hmm. like if i'm going to take like the top three things if, if i'm going like narrative tone and um, style mm-hmm. like i would rank those i think if I think we will both have a complete different ranking Absolutely, of that. Yeah. Like for me, number one will be narrative. Right. Number two would be tone and number three will be style. Yeah. And I think yours will be style, tone, narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, That's yeah. exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Um, because a narrative, you can tell a narrative any way you sure that can. you can. Yeah. And I think that the things that differentiate movies for me mm. is what tone you're choosing to tell the narrative and what style you're choosing to tell the narrative. Mm. And those are the interesting things. The narrative isn't really massively important, mm. for sure. Yeah. Movies without a narrative is fucking ugh. Yeah. Um, but I think the way that you choose to tell a narrative and sort of like the images that are telling the narrative are, mm. for me, more quintessential than the narrative itself. Okay. Um, and it's, it's really fun to see filmmakers 
having fun with the narrative, having fun with their style, yeah. and making the movie that they want to present. Yeah. Because those are the movies that develop the cult, the, followers, the cult yeah. followers. They sure do. And in those cult followers, there's a brand of very passionate people yeah. that will then move on to make their own projects yeah. that are based on these things and ideas that yeah. we may not necessarily be able to even track. Yeah, yeah. But then they become their own thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like, like black exploitation. Like yeah. black exploitation was a rebellion against white cinema. Mm. And then it became a thing that influenced so many filmmakers yeah. and influenced so much of the art medium that it's become not only a genre, but it's become a philosophy of cinema. Yeah. The exploitation genre became a philosophy of cinema. And this is somewhere in between the grindhouse genre and the noir genre. Yeah. And if you let it go on far enough, it'll make something called grindhouse noir. Yeah, it'll ch it'll change. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving where you're going with that, like that step-by-step -step thing. Um, an example of that would be like a... Um, uh, Michael Jackson is famous for the moonwalk. Right. Everyone said he's famous for that moonwalk. But then where did you get that from, Michael Jackson? A guy named James Brown. Everybody knows James Brown. James Brown famous for something named the, the moonwalk, but it didn't look the same. It right. looked a bit different. James Brown got it from another guy who was a famous dancer in the 1920s. Yep. The famous guy in the 1920s, there's a video of him doing it. He didn't create it either. Nope. You know, he got it from another <laughs> guy, and the version of that looked so much different. You know, so it's like Michael Jackson may not know that that he was looking at this 1910, you know, guy right. that created something, but when one person stamps and then puts their flavor on it and then the next person then the next person yeah. and then it becomes something great and amazing and people not even understanding the lineage behind something like right. that. So, yeah. and, I, and that's an amazing thing in cinema yeah. and one of the reasons why I love Edgar Wright so much because he took that hip-hop montage mm -hmm. and then made it an Edgar Wright montage. Yeah. And, and so like, what does that mean for comedy? What does that mean for visuals? And that we have this guy that ironed that out. Yeah. What is the next guy after Edgar Wright What's that loved Edgar it? Wright? What are his hip hop montages gonna look like? Yep. How's he gonna twist that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fascinating thing yeah. about movies like Polar, yeah. which are good movies in their own right, yeah. not necessarily amazing. They're not gonna win any Oscars. Yeah. They're not gonna be the godfathers of cinema, yeah. but they're kernels. <laughs> sure, and yeah. they grow into amazing little movements of cinema later yeah and i would love to see more grindhouse noirs you know okay. like this oh, yeah. and i had I, I have a lot of fun with this type of movies yeah. because there's there's something precious inside of them even though the movie itself is a bit schlocky yeah. and a bit silly mm -hmm. and taking the piss and we had a big sort of matt lucas's guy spreading lotion all over his hands <laughs> in a very gratuitous matter yeah <laughs> that was weird <laughs> that, that first close-up when he like pumped it it's like ah <laughs> thick ass creamy lotion like yeah. not yeah. into it yeah um but i think yeah i think that's the value of this movie mm. the, everything that i've just said yeah. and like the fact that it's self-aware enough to know that it's not going for the big market. It's yeah. going for the people that love this kind of shit. Yeah. And the people that love this kind of shit fucking love this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's great. It was, it was, fun. It was fun. Definitely. Um, definitely could have stayed away from... It would have been a little bit more interesting if it stayed away from more of the John Wick tropes. Because mm. uh, it, it kept with them. It's not like they took a trope and then they immediately twisted over its head. Mm. It's like they took something that was relatable to John Wick, comparable to John Wick, and they stuck with it for about 20 minutes and yeah. then they broke away from it. Uh, and I think that's like... Mostly as a way to catch your eye into the character because yeah. it's such a compelling way to do it. Yeah. Um, but if they had done that and then condensed that amount of time that we stick with the John Wick tropes into like 10 or 5 minutes, mm. then it would have run a little bit less of the risk of being compared to movies like John Wick. Yeah. Um, which is like my only gripe with it, that it borrows from movies that are far superior in what it's trying to do. Yeah. 
And then, sure, it deviates in its own way, but it does what one movie does a lot better. So it brings nothing new. Yeah. It's just putting a new veneer on the thing that the other movie did. The uh, yes, style definitely does help this a lot because if I'm like taking that style away from it, then I'm like mad at Netflix and that their algorithm-based Netflix, um, new Netflix originals that right. they're putting out. There's like, oh, this thing was successful. This thing was successful. How do we combine those things and get everyone in here to watch this? So it's like narrative wasn't great. They threw a whole bunch of stuff at a wall. <laughs> but at least, at least they t- they got a director who was like, well, I don't know what I can do with this bullshit here, you know, because mm-hmm. you guys did not write me a good script, you know. This, but it's like this is what I can take it. This is what mm-hmm. I can do with it. So um, style-wise, I have to give it some points there. Yeah. yeah, and it, and it's a film full of creativity mm-hmm. in terms of like, sure, it's based on a graphic novel, but it's it's also like taking that and just making it like feel metal as fuck, mm-hmm. and then feel like comfortable and fun to watch and engaging. Yeah, it's something that I want to give Ackerlin credit to. Yeah, because the script is not a great script. No, you can tell that it's not like the lines are clunky, yeah. the presentation is clunky, the yeah. expository dialogue is clunky. Yeah. Um, but having taken that script. And then making a thing that's like that's smooth and consistent <laughs> and really watchable. Yeah. It's fucking like the dude's a talented director. Yes. And I want to see what he does next. I agree. Yeah. Same. Um, you got anything else to say about Polar? No. Cool. What would you rate it? Um, out of 10, a five, like five. Right, right around the midway point. Um, a six would be like, no, eh, it wasn't bad. I got to watch that again. Right. Um, I can't. I probably won't be watching this again, but I would recommend it to anyone that's into like that. Uh, gore, um, super heavy action uh, type of movie. Definitely right. would. Uh, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll give it a seven, mm. I think. Um, one, because I really like that, I really like that schlock mm. type shit. Yeah. Like fucking, like I said, feed that to me in a baby bottle or mm. fucking drink it. Yeah. Um, but also I think that the the style and the cinematography, also nothing particularly interesting. Yeah. They all looked very good. Mm-hmm. And the style was really, really entertaining to me okay and it made me want to want more from this guy yeah specifically so like that's why it gets a seven for me it's like right above average Mm. but nothing like amazing in terms of cinema because it didn't bring anything new to the table um but what it did it did really fucking well and and also i just want to one my favorite shot on the movie is when he's walking into the mansion mm. uh, to kill Matt Lucas's character, yeah. oh, the, the, end the of, big yeah. baddie, yeah. and all the henchmen are. <laughs> oh, they run out of there! <laughs> it's just like, Fuck that! You're on your own, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, there's four people, and then they see that he's on the way up there, yeah. and then the bad guy he starts shooting his own henchmen, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, you, you fucking what, what, get, come back here!" <laughs> he shoots at him, tries yeah. to kill them, then tells him to get back, back here, <laughs> and then the guys are just like calmly running away. <laughs> And then he enters the house, and they ran into them, and they just go like, "Excuse me, excuse me." He's upstairs. I'm out. <laughs> yep. And that shit fucking killed me. He I just love that. Right past him too. Like, just walk right past them. Yep. Not even make eye contact. Nope. Doesn't give a fuck. No. I love that moment. That is like them. So Dead Mouse made the soundtrack for this. Um, this music. Mm. That is the one time in the movie mm. that I wanted just like a heavy fucking metal guitar <laughs> riff. Just. Yeah. Mm, as he walked into this fucking house ready to decapitate this guy. Yeah. Um, fucking great, great fun film. And uh, give it a seven, seven out of ten. And uh, I recommend that if you're into that schlocky sort of grindhouse yeah. noir type thing. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I got, I got a heavy, heavily, heavily, um, what would be like a, not a preface, but um, just before you watch this movie, just know what you're getting into because I disclaimer. don't Disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. A disclaimer because... 
people people talk to us about the show outside of the show. Mm-hmm. And if you go see, if you watch this movie, I don't want you coming back to me and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, I'm telling you right now, you have to enjoy, you know, seeing lots of blood, no. lots of gore, you know, lots of sex and naked women that are there for no purpose other than to yeah. be naked and die. And that's actually one of the, like, my gripes with the script is that the female characters are just very, like, just not Mm-mm. interesting. No. And they exist for, like, looking hot and then and, being shot. And being killed, yeah. So um, it's like, if any yeah. my, like if you watch this, don't come back to me and I'm telling you what, what this is, <laughs> you know, right. but it's like, I think you can, if you enjoy those type of things, you can really, really enjoy it. Yeah, and I think that they set up a sequel at the end. Mm. No spoiler for the twist, but they set up a sequel at the end. And I think that if that sequel takes place, what I would like to see from that yeah. to solve the problem of the female characters, because now we have Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to see Vanessa Hudgens' character take a step away from being the traumatized girl mm-hmm. that sort of gave Mads a new outlook on life yep. and then become the, become the main character in the sequel and have that be her journey mm-hmm. and sort of have some like real legitimate empowerment yes. in that character yeah. as opposed to like the sex object empowerment that we get from most female characters yeah. in this movie. Except maybe for Vivian, but she was also like a flat femme fatale type character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would like to, biggest gripe, Apart from the the tonal shift, yeah. it's like female characters were just not used anyway. Interestingly, yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's the script. It's right, like yeah. that's the script that he was given. It's just like oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, overall, it's a great fun film, it's and great. just be aware that what you're watching is a schlocky, yes, like grindhouse noir film. Yeah, that is by all intents and purposes a big budget B movie. Okay, yeah, you know yeah. that's what it is. I agree. Um, anyway, cool. So, well, then we'll cut and we'll talk about television and movie premieres. Hey, hey. Bad. And welcome back. Television and movie premieres. All right. Television and movie premieres this week from Tuesday, February the 19th through Monday, February the 25th. Uh, the first one's going to be Wednesday, February 20th. Documentary Now. It's a comedy on IFC. Um, this seven episode, 52nd. Oh, they're on the third season now. All right, so they're going to. Who's going to be in this? Uh, Michael C. Hall, Michael Keaton, Owen Wilson, Natasha Leone, and John Mulaney. Okay. That's a really interesting cast. Yeah. They, um, they, my girlfriend watched season one and they have, this is season three that just came out. I can't mm-hmm. give you much information about this. It, 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 it's, it's on my TV in the living room. I don't know much about it, <laughs> but apparently it's really good. What does the synopsis say? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, see the documentary spoof series, including parodies of a re- recent Netflix hit, Wild Wild Country. Uh, then it goes on to talk about the cast. Okay. Yeah. So documentary now. Documentary now. There you go. Apparently it's decent enough, but yeah, that's that. Uh, the next thing is Thursday, February the 21st. Desus and Marrow. Yes. Yes. Desus and Marrow? Desus and Marrow. They, um, they, they try to bury Desus and Marrow, but it won't happen. All right, so um, there was a, there was a thing called Viceland. Viceland is out of business now. There are well, one part of Viceland is is out of business. Yeah, okay. So Viceland, those are the people responsible for Viceland documentary. Yeah, and the the okay. So these are the two people that had like their comedy talk show yep. type thing yep. from Vice. Yep. Okay, gotcha. So so Vice tried to bury them. Right. They um they ended up getting a deal with Showtime for multiple multiple millions of dollars. And from what Deezus and were saying, that Vice they were Deezus and were the only writers they had on staff. Right. Like they didn't they didn't have no staff. Like they had to write every single thing and then come up with the content of two hours 
five days a week, you know, Jesus from, from themselves. Just yeah. imagine if we had to do that five no days a fucking right. week, you know, yeah. no writers. So, and then the money that they were making. So then they did a deal with Showtime that they were going to be having a whole staff. They would have, you know, basically they would have a proper show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and I, lo- I love that word proper. I took that from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they would just have a proper You're show. You're welcome. <laughs> they have a proper show. And uh, Showtime offered them all this money. And as soon as Vice, Vice or Viceland found out about this, then they took DC Zamero off the air immediately and they have an agreement to where they can't be back on television at all because of their contract until however long. Like that was last year they got shut down. Okay. So now that that contract is over and now they can go on Showtime. Oh, hell yeah. So, so it's just like some some petty bullshit from Viceland. It's like, oh, so um, you want to go to Showtime? Well, we'll just take you off the air now. Your contract doesn't end until 2019, no. but we're just going to keep you off TV. You know, so it's like... So they, can, they can't really make any money. Can't do anything. What's yeah. the name? Uh, NBC did the same thing to Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. when um, he was uh, about to take Jay Leno's spot. Right. Jay Leno was like, nope, I'm coming back. And they he was just screwed. He couldn't do anything. Yeah, you know? I remember when Conan came back, that was a massive deal. It yeah. just the thing is about those types of moves is that you think that you're hurting no, the you're person, nope. but they have a fan base that follow this shit. Yep. So you're just hurting yourself. Yep. And then when they come back on another network, that fan base is gonna come back <laughs> twice as strong. Yep. Yeah, so but I, I'm so glad that uh, yeah. Deezus and Mero is back. It's a talk show from a podcast. You oh, know, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they started as a podcast and then and developed that into a talk show. They so, do have um, a very podcasty format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm I, I love that seeing podcasts take off and go into different mm-hmm. formats. So um, that's Deezus and Mero this Thursday, February the 21st, showtime 11 p.m. Uh, last on television is Sunday, February 24th, the 91st Academy Awards, uh, don't hosted by. Who's hosting this? Nobody. Really? No host? They have no host. So what's happening? How is it going to work? There, this, had, there, this hasn't been a thing. Is it just going to be like a screen that just fucking goes? I guess they'll just bring up a number of different people. Like uh, Kevin Hart was the host, and then he, he he backed out. Like after they found a tweet that he tweeted from 2011 mm-hmm. that was kind of... Um, Homophobic? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's, he apologized for it back then, you know, right. after it happened. But now he's a much bigger star than he is now. So those they brought those tweets back up. He was like, I'll apologize for it again, you know, but it's just I don't want to have to deal with this being a talking point in my life every day from now until the Oscars. Right. So yeah. he backed out of it. So no, now there's no host. Yeah, okay. well, listen, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. in my sincere and honest opinion, yeah. the Academy Awards are bullshit now. Now? Um, now yeah. Like in comparison I've, to? Well, I've always, I've always had the the opinion that okay. they're kind of worthless all right but um now particularly they they're doing a lot of shit like they had they were not gonna show the cinematography award the editing award the makeup and hair and all the That's other stuff awards stupid as shit right so they were just cutting out things that are fundamental for cinema yes and and so like but they also have this thing where like independent movies yeah. like which is a super viable amazing thriving market right yeah. now they don't get recognition. Not televised, in nope. the, Yeah, they don't get recognition in the fucking Academy Awards. Not on TV, at least, no. Um, so, like, that was an issue. They're ignoring that. They're sort of gatekeepers. Yeah. And they're giving, like, Brian Singer, the guy that directed Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, X-Men stuff, yeah. Uh, X-Men, like, I like some of his movies. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, really but... Good. Like what all the allegations, like he's got a lot of like sexual assault allegations and sexual misconduct and all yep. that kind of shit yep. next to him. And a lot of them are uh, pedophilic in nature. Mm-hmm. And so like there's a lot of movies that came out in 2018. Yeah. Is that really one of the ones you want to support for best picture? 
was he has, he has yeah. to be convicted because yeah. I I was saying the same thing about um about Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck mm-hmm. at the time when the ghost the ghost story something like that was coming out and there were a lot of allegations Manchester yeah Manchester's about the sea and there were a lot of allegations and I was like hold on you can't nominate somebody for that but then it turns out that he he wasn't found guilty of any of that you know right. so it's like if you're found guilty of it then it's like yeah I have a problem with my favorite basketball player of all time Kobe Bryant winning mm-hmm. an Oscar after being accused and never technically it's still a murky area about that rape thing right. but it's just like if if it's you know what I'm saying, like unless you're convicted, but then the difference by that, and I think that this is a significant difference is that the difference in Casey Affleck and Manchester by the Sea is yeah. that it all happened after a very shady business deal mm. that was um, very prevalent in the thing, and the accusations came from the people involved in the business deal. Yeah. So the accusations themselves were involved in a shady environment. Definitely. But any like Brian Singer's accusations are pretty prevalent and well known in the internet. Mm. And people have been talking about them pretty consistently. Yeah. I don't know anything about Kobe Bryant um, uh, accusations or whatnot. Yeah. But also, like, what did Kobe Bryant get an Oscar for? Like, what was his uh, thing? Animated short. Animated short? Yeah. Uh, so it was called uh, Dear Basketball. He wrote about, um, it's basically a children's uh, animated short, short thing about aspiring for your dreams and stuff. It was really good. Okay. Interesting. I also have, a, like, I also have the problem that it's just, they're just not acknowledging female directors. They're still a gatekeeper <laughs> to, to female directors. Like, not as much as they should. I mean, not as much as they should, yeah. but it's like, uh, number one, I agree, heavy-duty gatekeepers. Right, Super, yeah. Like, there's no doubt about that at all. But um, they have been doing better for someone who, over decades and decades, traditionally did not recognize um, African-American or people of color in directing fields. Right. Um, even, even in just uh, acting or a main a lead actor, not, mm-hmm. not, not, not the co-star, the lead actor. We weren't seeing that since Sidney Poitier, then not again until Jamie Foxx. Right. You know, so just think about a hundred years of cinema. There hasn't been but two black actors that were the right. best. You know, or, or we think about the history of cinema. Catherine Bigelow, the only good director out there that's a woman. Right. Is she the only one? Patty Jenkins? You know, so like I don't think Patty Jenkins has won anything. Uh Ava no. Duvernay, you know, I don't think she's won anything I don't yet think as far Greta as Oscar. Not as far either. as Oscar. And she's done she, films that I think are absolutely worthy of an academy. Yeah, oh definitely. Yeah. So it's like I, I see that there is a change happening, like they're at least getting the recognition to be nominated towards like, okay, we see you but it's still nowhere near even yeah and like it, well <laughs> yeah. it's never gonna be even because the people that are running this thing mm-hmm. have got the privilege to gatekeep those people out of it and they want to keep that privilege because that's how they make money um and that's just how also how they exercise that white patriarchy type thing and the people that yeah. are there though mm-hmm. there, there's not a I, I would be okay if the people that were voting in the academy like i'll, I'll, I'll bring up a picture mm-hmm. do you imagine what do you think a picture of the voting academy looks like they all look like old white businessmen yes nah. yeah and that, 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 that is my biggest problem <laughs> with yeah. it right there because if you had a diverse community with the voters you know you mm-hmm. have black white asian men women transgender straight all of that then mm-hmm. you would see a more diverse uh, group of selections and winners yeah and we're not seeing that so it's like as far right. as the bullshit i co-sign on that part em- yeah. like enormously i think they're a fucking joke mostly mm. because of the gatekeeping they don't inherently mean anything anymore no like a lot of like it's just every time i log on twitter and i see someone talk about the oscars mm. one of their decisions makes no sense mm. one of the things make no sense they did a stupid presentation decision or like now they have no host because yeah. instead of they didn't. Kevin Hart wasn't gonna be there, yeah. right? How many funny female comedians are there? A lot that they could offer the hosting position to. A lot, a lot. An amazing amount of them. Yeah. Fucking, just look for one, and they just like no. We'll just have no host. No men are available to host it. No host. 
I mean, they, yeah, they, yeah. they've had women hosts before. It's like, I don't know what the reason for having no hosts here. It's the first time since 1981, mm. but uh, there is no host. That's right. sad, but... Um, yeah, I... I I have my gripes with them. Like, I'm, I'm glad that people enjoy them and people are going to watch them. I, but I, I, I approach them the same way that you approach the NFL. Yeah. I just don't watch anything they make. <laughs> like, okay, I, yeah. You know, um, I'll engage with the conversation. I'll, like, engage with the list mm. of things. But I refuse to give them any positive support in terms of, like, <laughs> watching their, their presentation, mm. watching anything, reading their things. Uh, I think that they're just gatekeepers. They're gatekeepers, yes. And that their that environment for cinema is obsolete, mm. and it's only hurting the cinema. It's I only agree. holding the cinema industry. I, what, what I, the thing I celebrate is seeing people make it through the gate, right. even though that gate shouldn't be there in the first place. It's just this is the system that we have established, and it, yeah. we're still perpetually making this system run, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do. It makes me happy seeing someone make it through the gate. Right. You know, especially like a, a minority or or a female. Is I love seeing like like when Catherine Bigelow won over damn um, over James Cameron. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. But it's just I, like I celebrated. It made me feel good, but. Is that does that trump all the other good films that women made? You know, and then here we are. There should there should be value in celebrating someone that made that. Like that's valuable. But yeah. also we should be working on dismantling the gate. Yes. That allows for that celebration. Yep. Um, which is why I choose to not engage with it on a that. consumer basis. Like I'll that. talk about it, but like fuck you. I'm not gonna buy your thing. I'm yeah. not gonna listen. I don't give a shit about your host. Yeah. I'm not gonna read the articles. I'm not gonna give you clicks. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of how I feel about it. No, that. I can understand but, that. You know, yeah. Um, fucking, let me know how the list goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I have a list every year of yeah. um, the the people that I think are going to win the Oscars, best actor, best movies, and everything. So uh, yeah, I'll be updating that next week to see if I am correct. If Roma <laughs> doesn't win everything, like they're, they're out yeah. of the goddamn mind. <laughs> like Roma is the best movie. Roma. Roma fucking Roma. Alfonso Cuarón. Mm. Yes. I should, uh, from what I've seen about it, like mm. super great candidate for best picture. It, Man, no. it better win everything. It better win everything. <laughs> I'm talking about editing, sound design, lighting. Like, the only reason it shouldn't win everything is to be fair to other people. But that ain't <laughs> even a good reason because it was better. That's it fair was enough. damn better. So, fair Roma, enough. I'll be on this high horse till forever. Forever, Brian. Roma is that shit, man. I have to watch Roma before the, the, the awards. It is. Yeah. But um, right. I don't hyped it up so much that everybody that watched it will be like, what the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> but <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the Academy Awards, February 24th. And uh, we have one movie that's coming out this weekend is How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden oh, World. fuck yes. Yeah, I like, okay, fuck yeah. Yes. I like How to Train Your Dragon. Ah, fucking the first love one those movies. Yeah. Uh, the second one is really good, too. Okay. They're, they're really good. They're just fucking good films. Yeah. Um, well, this yeah, this, so this one here is, has um, America Fiera uh, from Ugly Betty and Kate Blanchett. I fucking love Kate Blanchett. The so run, rundown is when Hiccup discovers Toothless isn't the only night furry, he must seek the hidden world, a secret dragon utopia before a hired tyrant, a tyrant named Grimmel finds him first. I just want to correct one thing real quick. That is not it's, furry, it's fury. It's night fury. Mm. Because when you say night furry, you're talking about a sex a convention with people that dress up as animals. Yes. Very different environments. Yeah, it could be. It could be. <laughs> Have, have you ever thought about that though? The furry, the furry movement. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've, I've watched documentaries on it. It's fascinating in such a bizarre way. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It, it seems all right. It yeah, seems all right. Like it seems hot and sweaty. That yes. Yeah. It does seem. The bad. costumes are very, very elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind it though. I, 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 you know, I, I want to see some of those documentaries just because like, I wouldn't see like as a big stuffed bear. Like my dick is only gonna like come out so far from that suit. Well, <laughs> you know? that's why you make the suit. 
yourself mm. so you can adapt it to your anatomy. Mm. You know? Okay. You All right. Figure that out. Hell yeah. <laughs> so how to turn your dragon yeah. fantastic series nice. strongly recommended yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm excited for the third one is that yeah. the only thing that's coming out that's it oh shit yeah did you see the trailer for frozen 2 no it's looks good it looks the, really good i didn't see the first you one. didn't see the first one no. oh, it's so good i mean I, my daughter's seen it so many times yeah. that she just kept singing all the songs to where i feel like i've seen it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense that's uh frozen is great and i'm excited for the second one it's okay. gonna be fucking lit yeah. um all right i guess that's it um, for today's episode so i'm gonna go ahead and do the spiel um you can find us on on twitter underscore ffs podcast you can find us on facebook at the ffs podcast you can find us on itunes podcast app google play music app under the name for film's sake and on stitcher as well on the name for film's sake my personal twitter handle is at brian Archia. i'm at t-h-a underscore v-o-n-z hey. hey thank you all for listening and we will see you next week Bye.